Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. That's right. It is another edition. Hey, thanks for coming along today, the Tuesday edition of The Ride Home. I want to thank, uh, before we start, Kath, uh, say thanks to everyone who was part of our Bible League campaign. Fabulous. We uh, really appreciate your your presence and your generosity, your kindness to ensure that people have their very own copy of the Bible. So thanks to everyone. Mm-hmm, absolutely. How are you doing today? I'm well. And, you know, we weren't here yesterday. We had the day off. Um, and I would like to thank the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh. Was that? I, you know what? I I had a flashback, of course, to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. When... The Arizona Super Bowl? Yes. Mm-hmm, when all looked lost? When our family was essentially almost, you know, inside the television. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's almost how I responded on yeah. Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I... I couldn't have been more invested if I think I was Big Ben himself. I agree. <laughs> Perhaps I'm exaggerating my own level of investment, but I do feel that way. Yeah. Holy smokes. What a, well, that was a, It was an abysmal game for three and well, a half quarters. I'm actually going home tonight to watch it. Oh, are you? Because I uh, I had to go get my daughter at Grove City on Sunday, and so I missed the first half. Of course, oh. I have it recorded, but I missed well, the first. Well, you didn't miss anything. Well, when I turned it on and <laughs> I heard Bill Hillgrove say nine nothing, I thought what? what? Something another blowout by the pirates. Wait, I was going to say. I think Pirates got blown out. I'm using my Pirates cup today. Exactly. It was so dark out. Mike, new Mike got this for me. Thank Very you, nice. Mike, for this. Um, anyway, I'm using my Pirates cup, and I thought, is this baseball season? What in the world? Can't be 9 nothing. It was a really weird first half. And I think the Steelers had the ball for like four minutes the entire first. It felt like nothing. I can't wait to watch it tonight. So strange. I'm yeah, super good. excited. That's good TV, and yes. it ends really well. <laughs> I saw the end. I yeah. saw the second half. Oh, you did. I'm running it back. And oh, wait. Performance most of the way, coming up big. Running like an option, going to keep the dives. Did he break it? Yes, he did. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Yeah. And Jesse James was like, "Me too." <laughs> me, I, that was me too. He was raising his hand back there. And instantly, weren't you like, "Now wait"? Exactly. Was he? But was he? Was was it actually right. under control, or was it? And when did? Where did his knee come right. down? Uh, yeah, Thank we goodness. know way too much about those final few seconds Abs- that we need to. It's absolutely but dumb. It was. It was anyway, so game. congratulations to the Steel, and congratulations to Pitt. On an absolutely great win over Wake Forest, yeah. too. Winning Pit. their division. Pitt going to a bowl. Yep. Very nice. Exciting. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of that, uh, congr- congratulations to Grove City for their football team. I mean, holy smokes. Now, listen. Last year, I believe, was the, they, their first victory. In f- their first victory. What? They won one game. I don't mean their game. first playoff victory. I mean their first victory in four years. Yeah. And now, <laughs> holy smokes. Yeah. So... Right, small Christian school and uh, the pros. We're covering it all here. I like all it. All of a sudden, you're like, you know, all we're of like, a sudden, it could be a sports show today, yeah, Mike. Like, Let's yes. talk it out. Let's talk about the Pens. I'm down. What in oh, the no, please heck? Do not. Is going, the Pens have won one game in the last nine. How about they lost? They were up by three yeah. yesterday in the last they that game. Yep. Is that They're is that painful? Control. Things are dark. so painful to watch right now. Listen, yeah, when dark. I saw that Hagelin was going, I thought to myself, and I know people are saying, wait a minute, is this a sports show where it's going to be for just a minute? When I saw that Hagelin was going, I thought to myself, now I know he only scored one goal this year. I recognize his contract. So I'm not saying it was a bad trade, yep. but I am saying he's super popular, as I yeah. understand it, in the locker room. Oh, and yeah, I yeah. just hope that that didn't backfire. So, I mean, we'll see. No, I don't think it backfired. I mean, I, I don't think you're I like, love Hagelin. I think we've lost some speed in 
Hagelin was a was a big part in that. Uh-huh. And so. what about his personality? I'm telling you, oh, yeah. you can't underestimate that in a, in a locker room. Mm, yeah, but once you're on the ice, all that goes away. No, I don't think it does. Come on, we replaced classic Mike with new Mike. What, we didn't lose anything. I mean, it's a change of personality. <laughs> it didn't affect us. I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm not downgrading either classic yeah. or new. I'm not a neither. <laughs> I'm just saying the change of personality did not affect the overall product, which I believe it absolutely did. You're completely wrong. No, no, no. Yeah, no, you are. Yeah, you really are. You're it, completely wrong. You and I, I mean, in the day-to-day is what I'm saying. It's completely different. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, and it's going to be different without Carl Hagelin. I think he was someone that you're going, that you're significantly going to miss relationship-wise. I just, agree. Look, it's just my okay. opinion. All right, just your opinion. This is ESPN with Kathy and new Mike. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What the heck's going on? Okay, uh, this is a weird week. This is a great week, isn't it? Because it's like a... We got basically a two-day week, which like a lot of people are, are in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Today's the last day of work for my husband. Last day of school for my daughter. Very nice. Mm-hmm. So we'll be here. We'll be here t- today and tomorrow. <laughs> Actually, we are here today. In case you're wondering, <laughs> hold on. Yeah, no, we're, we're definitely alive. here. We're alive. Yeah, yeah. We go, hey, there's a turkey. Oh, you poor little guy. But the amount of people who are traveling mm-hmm. yeah. over the next couple is just. Yeah, so uh, AAA uh, says 54.3 million people across the U.S. are expected to travel more than 50 miles to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving, the most since 2005. And most of those 48.5 million will be driving to their destination, uh, not by, you know, airplane or anything like that, by by the automobile. Okay, so let me ask this, uh, you know, it might be an invasive question at this point, but I know you're trying to bring up a nice Thanksgiving story. I am, yeah. How could they possibly know that? Uh, like, no one's called to ask me where I'm going or what I'm doing for Thanksgiving. Well, believe me, if they did that, you would tell us about it because you love those kind of calls. <laughs> <laughs> Only when they're from okay. the Nielsen's you and they want to ask me what I'm watching on TV because I want them to ask. I mean, whenever Nielsen called, you put like a big red circle around your diary. Nielsen called today <laughs> Listen, and not Harry. I, I waited for that for like two Holy decades. Smokes. When they called, they're like, can we ask you about your TV preferences? I was like, oh, yes. My, where have you guys been? You can. Did they give you a dollar? Finally. They did give me a dollar. I got a dollar, too. Yeah. Which I think is kind of funny. I think it was, you know, I think it's necessary. You know, you show that you, you know, expended some energy here to write down. Great. Was, were you writing down in the book at the time? I did have the book, mm-hmm. and I got a corresponding phone call. It was a, it was a, like a, a, a two-tier system that they had, I guess. Two-tier. Now, you know, the book is gone. Oh, there's no book? No, it's all electronic now. Oh. They were, you know, smart TVs and yada, yada. They got you covered. I just feel good about the fact that they asked. Oh, they did. You know, it's... <laughs> It's like you were prom queen for the, the day. <laughs> That's what it was like. Kathy Evans, come on down. We love you and your television viewing habits. Please tell after us more. We, after we were done, I was like, don't you have any more questions? Because <laughs> I got some more answers. I don't even care what you're asking. I'm ready to go. <laughs> exactly what you're doing. Anyway, yeah, so people are traveling for uh, Thanksgiving. Are you traveling for Thanksgiving? Uh, no, I'm going to be right here. I'm going to be cooking dinner for you and New Mike, just the three of us. <laughs> no, we're hosting. We're hosting. You and Mike are hosting no, together? me and my wife, Rhonda. <laughs> I would pay money to see you and Mike host together. <laughs> you know, we, we would eat the uh, jellied cranberry in a can. The, that makes that little thunk yeah. when it comes out? The ring thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'd have that, and we'd probably go to, if KFC was open, we could probably do some KFC chicken oh, instead yeah. of turkey, Definitely. which I'd be fine to do that. But yeah, but you'd have to find a gluten-free option for Mike. Oh, That's right. Right, because he gets cranky. Can you imagine, like, spending... <laughs> Some people get sick when they have gluten. Some like you know have damage to their internal organs. Mike, Mike. just gets cranky. Turn in the Incredible Hulk. Oh, that's good. Oh, great. I guess I my wife says oh, that. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving with new Mike. <laughs>
Thank you, you big turkey. (laughs) Anyway, coming up next, we're going to talk about an inspiring story of the life of one man. Okay. That's it. It's the ride home with John Kathy. I mean, that is a promise that's ahead. So stay tuned for that, you big old turkey. 101.5 WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. How would you like to have sweet communion with the Lord? I mean for the Lord, not to be somebody that you read about or hear about, but for the Lord Jesus Christ to be in your life a bright, burning reality. Adrian Rogers continues to teach about the sweetest fellowship this side of heaven, this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. Don't be at a disadvantage when it comes to your Medicare coverage because open enrollment's ending December 7th. That means you've got some important decisions to make today. Medicare is confusing, but Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial know that you have questions and they've got the answers that you're looking for. So before you lock in for another year, are you sure you're getting the best coverage possible? Visit MarleyFG.com and find out for yourself. Do you hold PAT for 2019? Has your Advantage plan changed terms on you? What premiums are going up next year and by how much? Should you switch your Part D prescription plan or drop it altogether? Don't go it alone. Let Marley Financial steer you to a comprehensive solution that lets you access any hospital or doctor you want. A plan that focuses not just on cost, but on quality, with lower deductibles and co-pays little to none. Why get stuck paying thousands in out-of-pocket expenses? Instead, visit MarleyFG.com today. That's MarleyFG.com. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme gift ideas for everyone on your list. From annual favorites like remote starters to truck accessories, lift kits, weather check floor liners, tonneau covers, electronics, wheels and accessories, and more. Heard of Drone Mobile? Use your smartphone to control, secure, and even track your vehicle from anywhere in the world. Don't know what to get? Get a gift card. For an extreme selection of the year's most extreme gifts, visit Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville at ExtremeTruck.net. Hi, this is Tunch Ilkin on behalf of Light of Life Rescue Mission. Thanksgiving has great meaning for the entire team at the mission, and it reaches far beyond a few football games and eating too much turkey. We're thankful for you, the caring Pittsburgh community, and the generous ways you continue to reach out and help us touch the lives of those in need. Today, I'm asking you to join our team to help us share the priceless gift of hope by visiting lightoflife.org and donating generously today. Are you a responsible person who finds yourself growing deeper in credit card debt? Then get ready for a toll-free number that will put you on a path to financial recovery. Trinity Debt Management will consolidate your accounts and work with your creditors. You'll save thousands and become debt-free for keeps. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Call Trinity at 1-800-936-5496. 1-800-936-5496. one 1-800- 800-936-5496. People are amazing, aren't they? People are just incredible. Sometimes you hear a story about someone you think, I can't believe that that guy existed. I sure wish I knew that person. And such is the case with Howard C. Dillman. Michael Puler is with us. He wrote a book called An Improbable Life, The Inspiring Story of Howard C. Dilliman. And Michael, welcome to the show. Good to see you. Oh, it's wonderful. My friends all say I have a face for radio. Today we'll get a chance to prove it. <laughs> well, you're in good company here. <laughs> all right, Michael, so start us out. Who was Howard C. Dilliman? Howard Dilliman was my father-in-law. Uh-huh. He passed away uh, 
December 15th will be seven years. We'll uh, have missed him here. But uh, he's one of those people that, you know, when I think about him, um, he, he was his stature was so small in life, but yet he, he just, it, it's really almost hard to explain that when he met people, the way he, his life, the way he lived his life, the way he impacted people. But what's astonishing to me was he started out with, about every disadvantage that a person in this world could ever have. How so? Tell us that story. Well, he started out as a, uh, he was born in 1920 in northern Butler County. His mother passed away when he was two years of age mm. during childbirth, and both the child and his mother died. So he's raised by his father and a brother who was two years older. And in the 20s, we hear about the roaring 20s, but for many, of course, it ended with a depression, terribly poor. Mm. He left school in the 10th grade to help supply money. Um, he actually told me stories of how his dad taught him how to make counterfeit nickels so he could go to the local grocery store and swap it for a loaf of bread. And I used to kid him. I said, Papa, you know that was wrong. That was almost like stealing. He goes, well, at the time I didn't know the Lord, but he said also the, the store guy sort of knew to give him back out and change to somebody else, so it didn't really <laughs> matter. But he, he skinned uh, muskrats from the local creek and his dad bootlegged whiskey and they Literally uh, paid $5 a month on a barren farm just to survive. Wow. I mean, literally fought just to survive. He never knew the Lord, was never raised in any of that, and literally his whole life, a full-grown man at 5'6", 135 pounds, hmm. was just to survive, really. Wow. Really survive. So was it mostly Howard Dilliman and his dad? Was he uh, an only child? Uh, well, he had a, his brother, Ron, was two years older than him. Uh, and they, they were like typical brothers as they went along. But as co- time went along, the big change, of course, was that Pop, who we referred to as Papa in my family, Howard Dillman, um, he ended up, of course, in World War II as the war broke out. And then mm-hmm. that sent him on a path away for, like many soldiers, you know, when I did my service in the, in the military in the Vietnam War, we would go away for 12, 14 months and then re-up or come back. Where he, they go away in, you know, three, four years in World War II and people wondered even if they were still alive. Communications were so poor and it really uh, had to be a devastating time. Yes. Devastating. So tell us first, before we go any further into the story, about your relationship with Howard and why it is, you, obviously, you loved Howard so much that you wanted to honor him by writing down his story. I did because his story was so unique. Um, he and I would have lunch every Tuesday and I have to tell you that I just mm. so much look forward to going to have lunch with him mm-hmm. because I didn't know what that day was going to bring. And it, we talked about our military service, but we talked about our families and our faith and our kids or the weather. I don't know, whatever it was that day. And it was just a unique time. My father passed away when I was 36. And so this also put an older man in my life that I really valued. I, and when did really, you marry his daughter? I, uh, that was in 2006. Okay. And uh, so that's when I really, other than when we were dating, I got to know him some. But then after we got married, I re- uh, relocated here from Lancaster County, the other side of the state. And then I really started to spend time with him. It first started out because as a CPA, I helped him with his finances. I see. But then it sort of spread to our, you know, we were related in a sense. And, um, and then our military background and one just, but he was such a, you know, my father-in-law, um, when once he came to know the Lord, it was just such a transformation of a of an individual. Here went a man who literally could do nothing. When he was asked about 
what are your skills or what are you all about? He he would say, I don't I don't have any. There's really nothing about me. So would this happen at the beginning of the war? Yeah, he, it did as when a he, young man. He when he went into World War II, uh, he was asked what his skills were, maybe what they could do with them, and he said, I don't have a skill in the world. I used to break rocks to help build roads in Butler County, and I did at work some in a auto parts store, you know, fixing cars. But uh, he ended up having what's known as called stereoscopic vision, which means that that was the early days of radar where he could pinpoint a target up in the air uh, with a fixed point, and then he would call out those coordinates to big anti-aircraft guns, and then they would be attacking the aircraft and the buzz bombs that the Germans were shooting. He first defended uh, London as the buzz bombs were coming across the English Channel, and then he um, landed third wave Normandy at Utah Beach. By the way, to talk to you about, was God watching over my father-in-law? The boat that my father-in-law took from England to Utah Beach was sunk by the Germans 11 days later. And my father-in-law, of course, had survived that of many, many things through wow. the war. Wait, so then, uh, Michael, describe what Howard did. So was he standing uh, on the land? Was he in a boat? No, he was on the land, and it was a very large piece of equipment, maybe from toe to from end to end. It might have been 12 to 15 foot long. They would dig a large hole, and part of it would go down in the hole, then it would lay on top of the ground, and then they would look inside of this device that had, uh, like, mirrors and reflectors like a radar would do to then track the aircraft, hmm. and that he had that special vision to do it. It took a couple other people just to help to move it, but then he would call out those coordinates, and then those guns would just Train go on it. all the time, and, of course, he was right there next alongside of those guns wow. all the time. So that years. was World War Two. his service that was, there. That it was. And it literally drove him crazy. Wow. So then after the war's over, like a lot of men, like most men, he comes mm-hmm. back to the United States. It's certainly a changed country than the one that they had left. He picked up what trade? Well, when my father-in-law came home, first of all, he had married right before he went World War Two, And if there's not another tragedy in his life, he came home uh and his wife was pregnant, and it turned out she was pregnant to his very best friend. And I often tell people, people say, wow, what a horrible thing. How could that happen? I said, well, you have to understand that when I served in the Vietnam War, we often went at 12, 14 months at a time, came back and maybe re-up where they went off for three, four years, and people didn't communicate. They didn't know what's going on. So while it was a horrible thing, it was just on the list of he lost his mother, he lost his sibling, he couldn't get a job, whatever. But he finally got a job at Armco up in the steel mills up in northern Butler and Butler County. I see. And that experience of going to the war, coming back to, he thought, a loving wife, and then being shocked by that, that his best friend had now impregnated his wife, it had to crush his life. It did, it did. And he he got a divorce, of course, and he started bouncing around for jobs. And thing that changed, he eventually remarried and then got into Armco Steel, where he would be, like anyone else, right alongside of these very large presses that just slam, slam, slam all day, make tremendous noise, and it literally brought back those guns going off all day long that he had been around in World War II, till he literally ran from the factory, ran out the door, really, and he was institutionalized at the Butler VA. So post-traumatic stress disorder, just, they weren't calling it that then, but that's weren't. what happened. It, it's just what happened, and they actually put him in a room, and um, when I uh, uh, dug up his, I, I got through 
informational sources, his military records in 1948, uh, the VA at one point was going to do electrical shock treatments on his brain to try to save him and straighten him out. But luckily, <laughs> they didn't do that. But uh, then that's what led to the transforming moment in his life when out of sheer boredom, sitting in that room all by himself, he picked up a Gideon Bible. And he always told me, he said, Michael, I didn't pick up that Bible to learn about the Bible or God or anything. I was really bored to death. I'm sitting here. No one visits me. His wife would come periodically, but you're in a lonely room all locked up by yourself. Doctor come by now and then. So he said, I started to read it out of boredom, and then I read it some more. And he said, you know, when you're in a room like that for 24 hours a day, you've got a lot of time to read. So I just kept reading it and reading it and reading it. And what happened? Well, he said that uh, after he started reading it for a couple of days, he said no matter where he was reading in this Bible, he said, I always came back to the verse John 3, verse 3, which is verily, verily, I say unto you, Unless you are born again, you will not know the mm. kingdom of God. And he said, Michael, no matter where I went in that Bible, I came back to that verse. And he said, that's when I knew that I had to get out of my life, my pattern. I had to make a change. And he got on his knees and accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior right there. And he said, God, if you will get me out of here, I will spend the rest of my life honoring you in any way that I possibly can. Wow. So he was essentially, and not to be untoward, he no, was in an insane asylum. He was broken, as broken as any man could be. My wife, later on, of course, still these, these mental issues would haunt him, and my wife would often talk about he would, she'd come home from school or something, and his dad would, her dad would be there, and her mother would say, just stay away from your dad. He's pacing the floor tonight, or he's not, he's mm-hmm. unsettled, or he will take everything out of the refrigerator and then put every item back in and then mm-hmm. go upstairs to a sock drawer. And it, But he had to get his mind active because when it wasn't, then all these terrible demons were, were just chasing him out. Wow. Okay, so then as Howard became a Christian, he chose to do what with his life? Because up to that point, right, there were, there was a lot of changes and mm-hmm. uh, but he set himself on a path. There were a lot of changes. And what happened is, uh, and by the way, I, I always thought it was interesting that how many of us have said, God, if you will get me out of this spot, mm-hmm. I'll do this. Right. But we've never upheld our end. Follow through. How, it, well, my father-in-law did. Within two days, there was a guard at his door saying, Mr. Dillman, you're fine. You can go home, At which he questioned because he said, I haven't even seen a doctor in the last 48 hours. <laughs> how could I be What's fun? going on? But he went home to his wife and shocked her. In fact, she proposed that they remarry. He was such a changed man that she thought, this is like a different guy. Let's get married another time. It was that obvious to her that quickly. So one night, uh, he's sleeping and resting. And the day before, they had this filthy rug out at their home that she had brought in a rug cleaner to come in and, and to take care of it. And he went to bed that night, and when he came down that morning, he said, um, I know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And his wife said, well, what's that? He goes, God told me last night to sell vacuum cleaners. And my wife always laughs about this because she said the first word out of her mother's mouth were, we're going to starve to death. <laughs> I mean, this isn't going to happen. you know." And, and he, he went to Newcastle and signed up to become an Electrolux um, 
vacuum cleaner salesman and literally went door to door selling what at first was a $65 vacuum cleaner. And, it, and it's just amazing because, you know, God put him in the doorway of all of these homes, yes, to sell a vacuum cleaner. But my father-in-law said, but I got to tell you about Jesus at the same time. Fabulous. And it just went from there so that he became nationally known, nationally known as one of the top Electrolux salesmen in the entire United States. In the 1960s, my father-in-law was making in the $60,000 a year range, which would be a quarter of a million dollars a year today, selling $65 vacuum cleaners where you paid $5 down and then sent in $5 wow. a month. That's Isn't so that cool. amazing? It is amazing. So for a lot of people today who weren't alive then, the idea of a door-to-door salesman is, is a mystery, right? It's something you would read about in a book or see in a movie. But there was a time in American life, especially post-war, that oh, they were yeah. pretty ubiquitous. There was somebody owed your door All the probably time. daily. Encyclopedia Britannica, Charles mm-hmm. Chips, yeah. the Fuller Brush Man. Sure. I was born in 1950, and I was always enamored by this – television set we had that had 50 huge bulbs in the back of it and this man came with a truck and he seemed to have all the right bulbs to make our tv work again now you know even the doctor would come to your home now of course that's all gone but my father-in-law literally would be on the door everywhere he went fabulous we're talking with michael puler he's written an incredible novel called an improbable life the inspiring story of howard c dilliman Electrolux door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman and that life introducing Jesus Christ to how many people across this country. We'll take a quick break. Stick around. We've got much more about this very strange, lovely story that's ahead here on The Ride Home. This is Michael Medved. I'm here with Mike Stahl from Health Markets, helping folks find the right Medicare coverage. The news reports say that the rates might be going down. The cost of many Medicare plans are decreasing this year. So you have to ask yourself, are you getting the best rate? Health Markets offers a free service with access to thousands of Medicare plans, plans that can eliminate your out-of-pocket costs, plans with $0 premiums, and even plans that pay you back. What is it people need to keep in mind? With so many new options, it can be confusing. You can get objective help to find a plan that may cost less and cover more. With lower copays, more choices like dental, vision, and prescription drug coverage, and the freedom to see the doctors you choose. Don't miss out on savings you deserve. Our Health Markets Medicare assistance is free. Thanks, Mike. This is Michael Medved for Health Markets. Find out if you can get a Medicare plan that pays you back. Call 800-735-8803. That's 800-735-8803. 800-735-8803. The day after Thanksgiving, feed your soul. Join Amen to Action as we come together to sing, pray, celebrate, and pack one million meals of hope for the hungry. It's Friday, November 23rd at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Doors open at 8 a.m. and all faiths and ages are welcome. Come fill your heart with joy and one million plates of food right here in Pittsburgh. To register, go to amentoaction.org. 
This Christmas, the tradition continues with Bill Gaither and the Gaither Christmas Homecoming Tour with special guests, the Neelands, Charlotte Ritchie, Kevin Williams, and Mark Lowry. 6 p.m. Saturday night, December 1st at the First Summit Arena in Johnstown. Tickets available now at 800-745-3000, the First Summit Arena box office, or at Gaither.com. Produced by Fill the Gap Concerts. Change furnace filters. Check. Change smoke detector batteries. Check. Install CO2 detector. Check. Make sure the furnace is ready in good working condition. When you have Pellis Heating and Cooling Service your system, check. You're ready for anything. And be confident knowing a Pellis Tech is available 24 hours a day in case of emergencies. With after-hour calls, return within 30 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S, at PellisHVAC.com. Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice. Continue their dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. You can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org. For all the many years that we've been doing the ride home with Joan and Kathy, both Kath and I really appreciate all the advertisers who've been with us. Grove City College is our newest advertiser, and we are so happy that Grove City is with us. Both of our children attend Grove City, so we, as proud parents of children who attend Grove City College, we say thank you to Grove City College. Turning out partly cloudy tonight, the low 27, mainly cloudy and blustery tomorrow, a few flurries in the afternoon, high 36. Mainly cloudy, brisk, and colder tomorrow night, a few flurries, low 19. For Thanksgiving Day, very cold with sunshine and some clouds, high temperature up to 28. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Johnny Summers on 101.5 Word FM. Michael Puehler is with us. We're talking about his father-in-law, Howard C. Dilliman, an improbable life, the inspiring story of Howard C. Dilliman. So, uh, Michael, right before the break, you started telling the story that uh, after Howard came back from World War II, he had uh, mental troubles, post-traumatic stress disorder, they would call it today, but then he got healed. He found Christ in, in a mental institution, walked out of there, started a life selling door-to-door vacuum cleaners, mm-hmm. Electrolux vacuum cleaners, found great success. He was born to do this in a way. The guy, you know, we also joke about people can sell termites to a lumberyard. My father-in-law would have been one of those kind of people. You know, he, uh, he just was made for the job. But it, again, it goes back to he's the most unlikely person. You know, my wife said this frail little man was so transformed that now he had a purpose and he knew what it was. And it wasn't the vacuum cleaners. Vacuum cleaners just was a means to telling people about Jesus Christ. And so he would go door to door. And he said, you know, I said, did people ever slam the door on you? And he goes, yeah. You know, sometimes they run me off or whatever. But but I loved one lady had told us uh, when I started doing the book and did some digging and found people, they told me stories of encounters with my father-in-law. And one lady told the story about uh, how my father-in-law got into their home. And, of course, he did what they all do. They put some dirt on your rug and start making a mess and then pull out the vacuum cleaner and voila, you know, I, I do all this and he closes the deal. And then when he gets done, they think, okay, it's been a pleasure. And he goes, oh no. He said, uh, we've got the dirt out of your rug. Now it's time to get the dirt out of your life. Now you got to be a confident person 
to say something like mm-hmm. that in somebody else's living room. You sure do. You better know what you're doing. Now, mm-hmm. that's a good way to get bounced out of a lot of a lot of places. But he was so sure of it. And he brought his Bible out, and then he started to tell them about Jesus. And even when he would go to a door and they wouldn't let him in, he'd hand them this booklet that he had prepared to tell people about Jesus Christ. And he just would not relent. And he sold vacuums. And what happened as he went on and on and on is that everybody wanted him to come and speak to their groups in the evening or churches to come that Sunday. And in a way, it almost became a burden for the family. My wife often said that her mother would plead, don't go out tonight. You're always out tonight. But he felt so driven that he went. And it wasn't to sell more vacuum cleaners. It was to tell people about Jesus. Mm, And he just couldn't stop when... You know, when you have a business like that, you got to have parts and supplies. Sure. So somebody in the family had to be home all the time and sell the belts and sell the bags and make change. So my wife said she learned all those things when she was very little, like her siblings, and that's what they did. Family business. Yeah, it really became that on Cunningham Street right there in Butler. and. Wow. Uh, the, the business just went after that. So tell us about this book, because as part of his patter, as he was leaving and ready to talk about Jesus, he said he had written a book. He did, and uh, it wasn't a book like you or I would think of if we went to a library. The book is called Life's Greatest Concern, and it's just about a three-inch square little booklet with about 16 pages. A little larger than a book of matches. Yeah, probably no bigger than that. The cover's bright red, and as you as you open it up, it just says, life is not about pleasure, it's not about excess, it's not about health, uh, and it's not about your wealth but or your education, but life's greatest concern is where will you spend eternity. And then he goes on from there and gives many, many Bible references to, uh, to the Christian faith and where will you spend your life and how do you get to know the Lord Jesus Christ and what kind of conduct would you expect and the transformation that had taken place in his life. And he printed this little book, and he would print 500 of them at a time. And he went to a man and printing company in Butler to get the first set of 500 made. And I've tracked down the grandson of that man, and he said, yeah, your father-in-law never paid for those books. He bartered a vacuum cleaner for him." Because <laughs> he knew what I, he was doing. Well, sure. You said he was that, made for the job. My, my father-in-law was tight with a the dollars he had them and he was very successful and for the right things he never spared my wife said that here was this you often wondered how did a person who had let's say no culture no upbringing she said he was the most perfectly immaculate dressed man in a suit walking door to door Mm -hmm. in a brand new shiny car and he wanted nothing but the best for his children to go to learn how to play the piano and instruments and the best education and the best clothes. And all of that was part of the transformation. But in the beginning, he wasn't a big giver to the church. He, he gave some, but, but God got us of attention about that. What happened? He said that he was in line at Mellon Bank to cash one of his Electrolux checks. And he said God literally grabbed him right in the lobby of the bank and said, Howard, you're shortchanging me. You're cheating me. You're not tithing. You need to be giving me more. I have blessed you with more. You need to bless back to me. And he said that how that really jolted him. Uh, there were four. My father-in-law was spoken to, he said, directly by God four or five times. One, of course, when he became saved. One to become selling vacuum cleaners. There were two instances surrounding around tithing. This first one about you need to tithe. And the second time later on was 
you need to more than tithe because I blessed you. And then over the rest of his life, my father-in-law easily gave 20, 30 percent of his mm. income to the Lord after that. Um, would buy new organs for the church. Anytime he helped so many people, people couldn't afford a funeral. He just took care of it. People needed something. He did it. He was so gracious in every way, but that wasn't his stature in the beginning at all. Michael Peel is with us. We're talking about Howard Dilliman, an improbable life. So, Michael, obviously, you feel deeply blessed to have intersected in Howard's life. Uh, when you think about him, what's the thing that you take away? Well, you know, I, I smile, and I'm, a, I'm not a big guy, but I'm a pretty good, good-sized guy, and I always towered over him. But when I look at him, I saw a giant. This was a big man to me. He... I love to be in his presence. It wasn't about him being around me. I wanted to be around him. And he was just that kind of a man. Even in his latter years, we'd have him over for Christmas and Thanksgiving, and he'd sit in the big chair and maybe play his harmonica. And you hope that maybe we could talk about a story or share something in his life. But um, he and I had so many great conversations. I would tell my wife things and she'd say, well, how can that be? I mean, my dad never told me that. And I said, well, maybe older guys and we're both veterans. We had a, mm-hmm. a way to talk about things that just sure. didn't I have conversation with his daughter about it. it. wasn't keeping it from you. It's just that you didn't really get on that on that path, so to speak. How wonderful for you that he was your father-in-law. Oh, my. I, you know, God has watched over me in so many ways. It, I couldn't begin to tell you and how many, but to bring that man into my life was um, amazing. Nothing short of amazing. And after he passed, I started, it took me two and a half years to write the book because I, and I wish I would have started it earlier because I even had some more questions while he was alive that I could have mm. got answered. But I knew that this was a story, just like the booklet going door. I couldn't let it stop. I, I can't let it stop. So I wrote the book to keep my father-in-law going. Keep that story going. Yes, it was a simple vacuum cleaner, but the story is much, much bigger and life-changing than that. Much bigger. Mm. That's wonderful. It is a wonderful story. So the book is titled An Improbable Life, The Inspiring Story of Howard C. Dilliman. Michael Puehler, thank you so much for your good work on this I'm and for sharing that, you'd that have with me. us today. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I'm flattered you'd have me. Thank oh, the you. pleasure's ours. Thank you so much. W-O-R-D. Exercise is certainly a good thing, but building flexibility and strength in the muscles you can see pales in comparison to building up the part of you that's hidden, what Scripture calls the inner man. Find out how to strengthen your inner man this week as John launches a study titled Tapping into God's Power here on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. The average person considers estate planning just for the wealthy. Attorney Michelle Conti, host of Conti's Law on estate planning for the everyday person. There's a lot that goes into it. People take more time picking out what car they're going to buy, where they're going to go to dinner, as opposed to what happens to my children. The state will dictate who gets what if you don't indicate who is to receive your stuff upon your passing. We want to make sure we plan appropriately so that they get the best of both worlds. They continue to receive the benefit and they get the inheritance. The other thing you have to think about is tax planning. 
we tried to be proactive in the approach that we minimize any type of tax consequence when somebody dies, depending on the value of the estate. These taxes range anywhere from four and a half to 40%. So we tried to make sure that the beneficiary will receive as much as they legally are able to. Hear more on Conti's Law, Saturday morning at 9 on WORD. For immediate help, visit ContiLawPGH.com. Turkey and stuffing, real mashed potatoes, sliced top round, Aunt Emma's broccoli casserole, chicken and gravy over buttermilk biscuits. Am I making you hungry yet? Hi, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse. You have a special event coming up in your life, a shower, a wedding, graduation party, company party, anniversary event, or any occasion where you'd love to serve all-natural, farm-fresh foods, then it's time to give the Springhouse Catering Department a call at 724-228-3339. From your first conversation with Dawn, who will help you create a menu that's unique to you, to the beautiful, bounteous setup and display that my sister Jill and her crew create, you will be delighted. After every catering event, Jill tells our cooks, I wish I could take you with me so you could hear all the wonderful comments guests give us. Give us a call at 724-228-3339 or check out our extensive menu at springhousemarket.com for farm fresh catering from the Springhouse. Why don't you come because my mom is a really good dentist. Good dental habits begin early with Dr. Megan Stock. I love the joy that children bring to the office. I like creating those good, positive first experiences, and I try to really reinforce that we're there to help and to have a good time at the dental office. My mommy is a really good dentist, and she'll take good care of you. You have my word on it. Visit StockFamilyDentistry.com. Hi, this is Tunch Ilkin on behalf of Light of Life Rescue Mission. Thanksgiving has great meeting for the entire team at the mission, and it reaches far beyond a few football games and eating too much turkey. We're thankful for you, the caring Pittsburgh community, and the generous ways you continue to reach out and help us touch the lives of those in need. Today, I'm asking you to join our team to help us share the priceless gift of hope by visiting lightoflife.org and donating generously today. day in history, John. Yeah. There was a royal wedding. The future Queen Elizabeth II married Philip Mountbatten, the Duke of Edinburgh. Oh. Now, we know a little bit about that, only sure. from a warrior's perspective because of the crown. we've been invested in the crown. Do you remember the year? The year? Mm-hmm. Boy. Uh, uh, I could I take a stab at it. Uh, my guess is Duke of Mountbatten. I'm sure it was like on the doorstep of World War II. So probably 48, 49, somewhere in that ballpark, right? 47. 1947. Mm-hmm. Very wow. nice okay. work, John. 47. So they've been married. Holy heck, they've been married a long they time. They sure have. God bless them. Okay. So looking back on that episode, or those two episodes, really, yep. of The Crown that talk about their courtship and their wedding, mm-hmm. um, what stuck out for you in that? What's more than anything, I think the surprise of Prince Philip, because I don't think he had any true idea what he was getting no, into. I think you're right. That the, the, the queenship was pushed upon the queen, that she had no interest in being the spokesperson for the royal family. And so when the, the king abdicated. And that, that came her father's way first. He right. didn't want it. 
And then, of course, he knew that if he died, she was going to get it, and she didn't want it either. No. And then that crushing, you know, her, she was not necessarily an outgoing personality. She was awkward and shy, and all of a sudden she had to be that, that, that voice, that face, that image, which was beyond her. So it was for both of them, as a young newlywed couple, to try to figure this out to know each other intimately mm-hmm. and then to carry on the monarchy on top of that? Especially at a time of war, mm-hmm. a time when the whole world was, you know, changing its perspective on, you know, on old alliances and trying to find a way into the future. Yeah. And, and was the monarchy even of value right, to people? Right. I mean, that was a thing of, of, you know, ancient civilization, not modernity. Yes. We don't need that in 19, you know, 1940, 1950. So my heart broke for them. Um, I think that the crown showed me something that I, I always would sort of deride, you know, the the royals. Oh, that was fluff. Or that was unnecessary. But I see the strength of it. And I think people now, if you would probably take a poll in England, you know, that tends to fluctuate. But I think more often than not, it's looked at it as a valuable thing that shows the through line of a great country. I was absolutely antagonistic about the idea of monarchy. I mean, it was the ultimate American. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a it's wasted tax dollars that go to support a lavish lifestyle for, you know, about 20 people. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, an, an absurd, you know, nod to the past. Um, and, and the past that we're talking about is a past when a very few people, you know, held all the wealth and, you know, other people were barely surviving and blah, blah. Anyway, watching a TV show changed that for me. I think so, too. I can't believe that. I, that sounds like such a surfacey thing. Oh, I watched this TV show. But there was something compelling about the crown in that. They became people in my mind, as right. opposed to just, you know, uh, tax pay, tax money repositories. Well, you know, the only thing we have anywhere near to that is the presidency, and, and it's not this nothing the same. Not by there's any no, stretch of the and imagination. I think I likened them before, right, to politicians. Um, yeah, it's just, there's nothing the same. There's really not. when I think about the um, the episodes of the show, and I recognize that this is a show, but I also recognize the people that produce the show have the gone to incredible lengths. Uh, to make it as as accurate as possible. The thing that I remember is uh, before Queen Elizabeth's father died, when the king was still alive and reigning, he talked to Philip Mountbatten, and he said, the job, you know, when she becomes queen, the job isn't the job. She is your job. And that did not go over well. Like his job wasn't to be the prince, his job was her. Yes. To to help her. That was his whole job. And they show that the tension, you know, to stand at attention, to bow to her as the queen in 1948, 49. Yeah. I mean, not many men would do that gladly. Well, and he didn't do it gladly. He did not. <laughs> he had to be taught how to mm-hmm. do that well. And I think the other thing that I've liked so much about the series as it's gone on is it's just unraveled the difficulties of just two people being married. I mean, because we all have difficulties being married, but they have such extraordinary pressures on them because of their positions. And at the very last episode of the second season, he brings back that quote that her father told him. Mm -hmm. And he said, I've never forgotten. Right. You're my job. They show, you know, like at bedtime when they're getting ready for bed. And they're sleeping in separate rooms, in separate beds, but their beds, you know. They're like looking at each other. Yeah, from across the hall. It's so unnatural. But as they prepare for bed, they stand there 
and then people come around and disrobe them and then reassemble them in their night clothes. And they just do, and they're having a conversation. It's, as it's though like it's not even happening. No, it's like they're taking a little stroll. Meanwhile, you know, you're down to your skivvies. <laughs> right. It's and you're so... built back up again. It's really odd. It's just all the things wrong. that you must endure. But I, I guess you know, if you're born into it, it's just like breathing air. That's what you become. That's what you are. Very odd. The other thing I think that the show has brought out in vast, stark detail is how different the personalities of the Queen and the Prince are Mm -hmm. and how resentful they both have been over the years in how different their spouse is. Well, how about whenever they didn't get along and he was like, well, she's going to go to Africa. He's going to go to, you know, the Netherlands and they do the official state visits and they're gone for nine months at a time. Holy smokes. That's a long fight. Right? Because when they come back, they sort of look at each other like... Right. Are we getting along again? There's letters that are back and forth, Mm -hmm. but not face-to-face for months and months and months. And are you here with me? Where are we in the relationship? And then somehow they're trying to raise four children with the help help of a lot of people Uh, who are... Standing between them and their kids. That's where whenever, you know, in the past I'd see, you know, Prince Charles and go... Prince Charles, then my heart would break for Prince Charles. Well, once you saw the episode about him growing up, yes. you, you never look at Prince Charles the same no. way again. Anyway, how do we start to opine about the Well, because the Brits? It's, it's this day in history. Oh, they're The marriage. royal wedding. They're, yes. Yep, the future Queen Elizabeth II married Philip Mountbatten on this date, 1947. God save the Queen. Take a break, come back. Um, you don't want to miss our 5 o'clock hour. Also, it's cold out there, and apparently it's going to continue on. We're going to do a little record setting along with your turkey and stuffing. Stay with us. This is Michael Medved. I'm here with Mike Stahl from Health Markets, helping folks find the right Medicare coverage. The news reports say that the rates might be going down. The government projects the cost of Medicare plans will decrease this year. So you have to ask yourself, are you getting the best rate? Health Markets offers a free service with access to thousands of Medicare plans nationwide to help folks maximize their benefits and save money. What is it people need to keep in mind? Enrollment in the right plan is not automatic. With so many Medicare options, it can be confusing. My advice don't go it alone. Get unbiased help to find a plan that may cost less and cover more with lower co-payments, more choices like dental and vision, and the freedom to choose your doctors. With the enrollment deadline only weeks away, it's important to act now. Our Health Markets Medicare assistance is free. Thanks, Mike. This is Michael Medved for Health Markets. For your free Medicare assistance, call 800-741-5592. That's 800-741-5592. 800-741-5592. The Original Mattress Factory is always looking for good people to join our team. If you're interested in a sales, manufacturing, or delivery position, we offer competitive pay and exceptional benefits packages. Integrity and strong work ethic are essential because at OMF, we strive for excellence in all that we do. To learn more about our company and our unique business model, visit us at OriginalMattress.com. You can stop by any of our locations or visit the employment section on OriginalMattress.com to complete an application. Protecting data across modern decentralized networks presents challenges that traditional backup solutions can't handle. At best, you'll waste time and money managing multiple solutions. At worst, gaps in coverage will leave your data vulnerable. Barracuda Backup is a single cloud-integrated solution that simplifies the backup process and allows data replication to anywhere on your network, a private cloud, Barracuda's cloud, or to the AWS public cloud reclaim your data try barracuda backup free at barracuda.com slash backup now play what are you fighting for gotta do what my father couldn't 
The movie event, 40 years in the making. Greg, let's get it. It's dangerous. Arrives. You got people that need you now. Creed 2 will make the whole family stand up and cheer. Michael B. Jordan. We got to do this together because we're a team. Sylvester Stallone. Now you know what you're fighting for. What's your name? Creed! Creed 2, Ready PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now play. I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive rate shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then, if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Racial approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. An NPR story from Minnesota says that for about as long as anybody can remember, there haven't been nearly enough psychiatrists, psychologists, or any other mental health care workers. For Ryan Williams, CEO of mental health care company Prairie Care, it means he spends a lot of his time on recruitment. Now, this is something that jumped out at me simply because, of course, we've lived through the shooting here at the Tree of Life Synagogue. There was another shooting over the weekend at a Chicago hospital. We've seen the shooting um, at Thousand Oaks, California. And what comes up over and over again is the conversation about gun control and the conversation about mental, mental health. health. And so we keep saying, okay, we need to have a more we need to have more of a focus on mental health. This needs to be something that we you know engage with is that we recommend people for well this kind of makes puts up a stop sign there and says wait a minute if we're going to keep recommending people and saying more people need mental health care then our problem is that we have a shortage of mental health workers yeah so that might be step one so define what what would be a mental health worker besides a therapist yeah so it would be a therapist it'd be a psychologist it'd be a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. Um, it would be people who are willing to work as, L- as LPNs or RNs or something in that environment. Because right? when you reach that point, when I mean, you look at something like Western Psych, you have to be very, very, very ill mentally to find your way into Western Psych. Don't you believe that's true? So, I mean, so there are how many people who are walking around, you know, like... Well, they do a lot of outpatient work at Western Psych as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, but, with, but people with garden variety neuroses... Right, that sort of spiral out of control. They are not going to find their way into Western Psych for the most part, right? I mean, well, I would hope that they would. I mean, I think that's going to be the directive. I remember talking to uh, talking to interviewing a nine one one operator, and they are specifically uh, trained. trained in how to talk to people yeah. and direct them there who are having problems like that. Now, listen to this. This is the NPR story. Um, it says Prairie Care, which is this, um, which is this uh, mental health care company. It says that they provide treatment services to thousands of people each year, but it's hard to do it oftentimes because there simply aren't enough workers. Mm-hmm. In just the last month, Prairie Care has posted jobs for two psychiatric techs, one part-time and one inpatient, a registered nurse, a family therapist for people who have mental illness and substance use issues, an art therapist, a group therapist, and the list goes on, wow. right? But the problem is, he said, there is a perpetual shortage. And the one thing we have to recognize is it's a challenging field, and so we have to know there's going to be natural turnover. Sure. So we almost need more people because we know that they're probably not going to last for a long time. God bless those people. I mean, to me, that would be the most di- one of the diff- most difficult professions. Would you not believe? For sure. You would carry oh, yeah. that with you. I mean, you can't escape. It's hard to carry your yeah. own burdens, right. let alone being available for other people's burdens by the 
10, 20, 30, 40, 50 fold. Right. But this is one of the things we're going to have to commit to as a country. We're going to have to commit to this if we're concerned about gun violence, because this is one of the elements we've all recognized. So we have to get in. mental health care. We have to get in on the ground floor. We have to support people and encourage them to go into the mental health field. How do you make that? How do you make that something that's compelling for people to sacrifice? That's that's where the church is. Yep. And I think that's a big deal for med schools as well. Take a break. Stick around. Uh, We're going to talk about something called the Pelican Project. And it's not for the birds. That's the 5 o'clock hour. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Stocks fell today as weak results from retailers and mounting losses for big technology companies pushed the market back into the red for the year. Energy companies are slumping because of a 7% plunge in the price of oil. Crude is on track for its biggest loss in three years. Industrial companies are also dropping as the downward momentum in stocks carries into a second day. The Dow Jones Industrial Average has lost 3.7% in the last two days, and the S&P 500 is off 3.4%. The Nasdaq, heavily populated with technology stocks, is off close to 5%. The numbers exactly, Wall Street, the Dow, down by 552 points to 24,465. The Nasdaq dropped 119, the S&P lower by 49. Crude oil dropped dramatically, 377 to $53.43 a barrel. This is SRN News. You're a good mom. You've tried every parenting tip in the book, but nothing seems to stick. Your child is smart, but just can't sit still and focus. Or maybe you know that something is just off. If your child just can't do things you think he should be able to, there is a reason. Brain Balance can help. For over 10 years, the Brain Balance program has helped kids just like yours. This customized program doesn't just mask your child's issues, but gets to the root of the problem. If your child is not making friends, is disruptive in school, or life just seems a lot harder than it needs to be, it's not that he's not trying. He just can't change what he can't control. The Brain Balance program can help. If you feel your child falling further and further behind in school, don't wait. Call your local center today and find out how Brain Balance can build the strong foundation your child needs for a brighter future. Visit BrainBalance.com for the center nearest you. At Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville, find extreme gift ideas for everyone on your list. From annual favorites like remote starters to truck accessories, lift kits, weather tech floor liners, tonneau covers, electronics, wheels and accessories, and more. Heard of Drone Mobile? Use your smartphone to control, secure, and even track your vehicle from anywhere in the world. Don't know what to get? Get a gift card. For an extreme selection of the year's most extreme gifts, visit Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville at ExtremeTruck.net. Are you a responsible person who finds yourself growing deeper in credit card debt? Then get ready for a toll-free number that will put you on a path to financial recovery. Trinity Debt Management will consolidate your accounts and work with your creditors. You'll save thousands and become debt-free for keeps. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. Hey, just ask your delivery guy. Or the guy who built your delivery guy's house. Or the guy who laid the highway for the guy who built your delivery guy's house. Ford commercial vehicles can handle the job. 
During commercial vehicle season, save on Transit, Transit Connect, E-Series, Super Duty, and Medium Duty trucks. Ford trucks and vans. Year after year, America's best-selling line of commercial vehicles because they're built Ford tough. Claim based on IHS market calendar year 1985 through 2017. U.S. tip registrations excluding registrations to individual seer dealer for details. How will you react to a natural disaster or random act of violence at your church, school, or daycare? You'll react the way you're trained. This is John Sikoyan, owner of Command Excellence. Join me November 29th for Salem Media Safety and Security Conference at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Along with security experts from local law enforcement, the FBI and District Attorney's Office, our team will help you identify areas of risk and show you how to respond in order to keep your congregation and children safe. RSVP now at wordfm.com. Turning out partly cloudy tonight, the low 27, mainly cloudy and blustery tomorrow, a few flurries in the afternoon, high 36. Mainly cloudy, brisk, and colder tomorrow night, a few flurries, low 19. For Thanksgiving Day, very cold with sunshine and some clouds, high temperature up to 28. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Johnny Summers on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. The weatherman just said blustery. Blustery today and tomorrow. It has been the longest series of gray days that I, I what is going on? The sun came out for like literally 10 minutes the other day. And I was like, <laughs> oh, 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 yes. I got, I got nostalgic all of a sudden. The world is yeah. going on. Now, I don't want to be Debbie Donner about it because, you know, look, we live in Pittsburgh. It's a great city. We have a great football team. We have a couple great football teams right now. Get it together. However... A little sunbeam now and then wouldn't hurt. Would not hurt. Yeah. Although, I, you know, I, and again, I, this time, I think it was this time last month, I was at the ocean. So I don't want to, you know, I, so I'm still Mike, carrying a some month light. ago, were you at the ocean? <laughs> no, I was, I was at the ocean. A no, month, I was not. Mike, a month ago, I wasn't at you were, the ocean. You were not. Where no. were you, Kath? Um, I was here in Pittsburgh with oh. you. God bless oh, yeah, you both. That's right. Well, Love John was at the ocean. Thank thanks, you so much. Thanks for joining, or uh, thanks for inviting us, No, John. I appreciate it. No, mm-hmm. you were not invited. No, <laughs> no, wait, I heard a rumor. I heard a rumor during the first hour that you two were hosting Thanksgiving together. Oh, my goodness gracious. Can you imagine? Yeah, you too. No. That'd be great. That you, didn't in, you didn't invite me. However, it's like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. If we were to host uh, our Thanksgiving, we would have something called a flavor blasted turkey. What's that? that? Is that an actual thing? Yeah, it's an actual thing. I'm looking at the uh, the Reynolds people. You know, Reynolds uh, Reynolds Wrap. Yeah, Reynolds Wrap. They they are they are touting something this year called flavor blasted turkeys. Now, here's the deal. Um, you can have a flavor blasted turkey that is covered in hot Cheetos. What? Or cover, stick with me, covered in hot Cheetos or covered in ranch Doritos. Oh, that is disgusting. Turkeys covered in, I don't even know what this is. What? What's a Funyuns? Oh, you don't know what Funyuns are? No, I don't know what a Funyun is. <gasps> you don't know the yellow and green bag Funyuns? No, I don't know what that Mike, is. Mike, do you not know Funyuns either? Yeah, I, yeah, I forget. They're, uh, they're shaped like onion rings. Yes. Oh, those. Those, those they're shaped, I don't yeah. think they have actual, any actual onion in them. Uh-huh. I believe that they're completely manufactured. Well, they're Funyuns. Artificial right? in every way. They, but they're supposed to be like onion rings. I see. Okay, so then, so here's what Reynolds Trap is doing. They have recipes where you can coat your turkey with, you know, these Cheetos, these hot Cheetos or the Ranch Doritos or the Funyuns. 
and uh, they've got the recipes here. That's a revolting idea. What? Well, what? What is the excellent. purpose of that? Is to, so that you can really like what? Kick it up. Looks pretty good. Okay, here's what they're saying. Pla- place hot puffed cheese sticks, the Cheetos, in a food processor. They're, it's funny they're not calling them Cheetos. They're calling them hot puffed cheese sticks. Okay, does that mean that they they don't have a an agreement, a reciprocal exactly. agreement with a, the Cheetos people? Mm-hmm. Place hot puffed cheese sticks in a food processor and process until fully crushed. You can also add to a zip-top bag and roll with a rolling pin until sticks are completely crushed. Then, brush oil or butter on the turkey and coat the crushed chips on top of the turkey. Carefully slide the turkey into the Reynolds oven bag, making sure the opening of the bag is facing the end of the roasting pan. Close the oven bag. Cook turkey until it reaches 165 degrees in several places. Remove from oven. Let's stand. In several places. For uh-huh. anyone who's ever cooked a turkey, that's horrible directions, but go ahead. Uh, that's, that's basically it. That's I what they're selling. That is, so take this, this beautiful animal mm-hmm. that lived a life yes. that... <laughs> Whose who's, who's life is sacrificed so that you can enjoy a wonderful celebration with your family mm-hmm. and coat it with, with artificial garbage. Cheetos. I'd eat it. I, I'd eat it too. <laughs> I'd happily eat it. I would. Yeah, man. Maybe not the Funyuns. I mean, no, I'd draw, eat the Funyuns. They've got to draw Definitely. the line somewhere, Mike. I'll I put mean, two bags on that. Two ba- <laughs> you guys, like... A you Cheeto don't, turkey what, sounds what pretty just, good. Does. Uh, what about just a nicely brown turkey with like herbs on top and it's... Beautiful. I'd eat it too. And I'd be happy to eat or that. Or smoked turkey. That's oh, fine. Oh, that's really good. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Are you going to smoke your turkey? No, my brother-in-law is. is oh. He? So are you cooking? No, I'm not. Okay. I let him do the cooking. Wow. Is your wife going to cook? Absolutely not. Wow. You don't have to cook anything. <laughs> we do absolutely nothing. Oh. That is so awesome. It's nice. Well, you just show up with your charm <laughs> and your wit. We do. Mm. We bring card games and stuff. But. Card oh, games. Oh, that's good of you. Sometimes we bring the cool whip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you could bring a bag of Funyuns. Yeah. yeah. Hey, let's make sure we invite Mike to bring the card games and <laughs> stuff. I want the mm, stuff. And stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you're hosting this year, John. We are hosting. How do you feel about it? Good. I spent uh, the weekend cleaning. I'm the cleaner in the family. Okay. And uh, the place is... Uh, Spick and span. Spiff. Great. But you, know, you know what? Whenever like, you're done cleaning, you go... Man, this place looks good. Mm-hmm. I wish I didn't have to do this. Yes. I wish I had someone else do this. Right. Or I wish it just never got to the point where it wasn't like this. Don't you love a clean house? Of course I, I do. I love a clean of house. Of course. My wood floors, they are shining. The, the house smells are. like it smells clean and fresh. It's wonderful. Which I love. Yeah, it's so, detoxing. Yeah. And we're going to do a spring house turkey. Yes. Fantastic. Which we are so happy about. Yes. I will do a spring house turkey as well. I'm mm-hmm. very excited about it. Um, are you planning on cooking anything particular to help your wife with this large repast? That'd be no. Okay. No, I don't have to. Mm-hmm. My wife, uh, this is her happy place. So she's into it. Which makes me happy. Oh, she loves it. Yeah. Right. She's like, you know, talking to me about today. Okay. Blah, 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 did it, you know, and I'm like, all, all I do is I nod my head and I offer encouragement. Now I'm happy to be the prep. I'm good with, you know, a kitchen knife and I'll be happy to, good. you know, so chop and chef? things like, yeah, I can do okay. it. I'm happy to do that. I'm comfortable in a kitchen, you know, um, but. I got to be honest. The thanks, I'm going to be making a Thanksgiving dinner. I'll be going to my niece's house Thursday and I'm yeah. going to make a dinner Friday. On Thursday? What? The oh. Thursday's Thanksgiving. So I'll be at my niece's house, but I'm making a different dinner for a different group of people on Friday. Well, who's the different group of people? Well, different. There's too many. We have too many family members, and there's just we can't all. What? So some belong. people eat Thursday, some people eat Friday. Yeah, that's kind of the way it's working. Who? What are, well, it's, those who don't eat on on Thursday, what do they eat on Thursday? 
Well, I'm making a whole a whole new meal on Friday. A so turkey? I'll do the whole thing. I'll do the turkey. I'll do the mashed potatoes, the sweet potatoes, the green beans, the cranberry sauce, the mm, whole pumpkin good. pie, the whole nine yards. And what's happening with the other meal? Uh, I don't thing? know because Is I'm just repeat? going to that. What if you did like, you know, it's just something totally different out of the box. You just go, I'm going to do pasta for Thanksgiving this year. I'm just, I'm done with the turkey. People do that probably, don't you think? I could never do that. How about, did you ever do the um, little Cornish hens? Oh my gosh. Listen to me. Cornish hens. That is a waste of time. What? Energy. What? Attention and eating. Wait, wait, wait. You're bursting a bubble here because when I was a kid, I thought, when I'm rich, I'm going to have Cornish hens. Oh, my all. gosh. I thought that's what rich people had. Listen to me. That's what I thought, too. Wait, when Cornish I hen. was newly married, I was so into the idea of the Cornish hen. I just thought, this. I can't wait oh, to my. do this. I can't wait. Cornish hen. Those yeah. little suckers are way too small. They're like little bowling okay? balls. Oftentimes... And let me let me just tell you the brutal truth. I cooked them multiple times mm-hmm. and could not cook them through because Why? they're frozen. Most of the time you buy them that they're frozen. Yeah, yeah. Unless you specifically pre-order them. Don't you defrost them? You can I, defrosting a Cornish hen for some reason is ridiculously hard. I don't know why it is. Really. And you know after you do all that work and they have special you have to care for them in a special way and all that Cheetos. There's hardly anything there to eat. They're little birds. They're really Small. You'd think that they were good. If like if a Cornish hen was really good, that like KSC would have jumped on that a long time Did ago. Did they jump on it? No. That's what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. It's not worth your time. Do you see Cornish hens now? Not very Because maybe that often. was like a generational thing. Like That was something like in the maybe like the 70s Mike, and the Mike, have you ever had a Cornish hen? Absolutely you know, not. Do you it, want a Cornish hen? Yeah, if you put Funyuns on it. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I'm down. Mike in the kitchen with Funyuns. Maybe the Cornish hen is like a fad that just passed through. It should have passed through. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wasted at least six days of my life trying to prepare them in ways that were never worthwhile. Never uh, a single time worthwhile. You know, I would pay for some. I would pay for some footage of having your husband sit down <laughs> to try Cornish. Hens. My husband? No, no. I made them for dinner parties, like with with multiple people. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. <laughs> I would pay extra double for that. Wait, like it was like an old fancy. Mm-hmm. Like a young, there you are, young newlywed. Mm-hmm. Hey, come on over and have a Cornish hen. Yeah, we're going to have a fancy so there were dinner. Like six, there were six of us. Oh, uh-huh. six Cornish hens on a plate. No, there were 12. There were six people. And sometimes a corn, like for a, for a guy. Wait, you did two? Well, You're doing believe two me, Cornish if you. Hens? If you, I eat a Cornish hen, I'm like so tiny. I eat a Cornish hen, I'm still hungry. Believe me, you'd be starving. Give so you it. need to. Really? It was a disaster. It was, it, in fact, it, it was such a horrible night that we still talk about it really? all this time later. Why are they Cornish hens? I what, don't know. Where's the name? Are they from like a town They're from Corning, Cornish? New York. They could be. <laughs> They I could don't be think Cornish. A, I think it's a British no, thing. No, it's not Corning. It's Cornish. It right? is. It's, I think it's a British thing. But I don't know why they're called that. So the Queen's probably had Cornish hands. Well, and I bet they weren't undercooked. <laughs> I also bet they weren't frozen. And I also bet I wasn't cooking them. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Take a break. Come back. Uh, we're going to talk about birds, right? Yes, I'm happy to talk about birds. No, no. We're going to talk about birds next. We're the Pelicans, though. The Pelican Project. Mm-hmm. But not really. We're going to talk birds. about women in ministry. Women That's in what ministry. it really is. 101.5 WORD. Here's Dr. Charles Stanley. When a child of God is broken, our will is brought into submission to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we give instant obedience to the one whom we call Savior and Lord. Hear the series, Brokenness, The Way to Blessing, this week on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. 
Hey, don't be at a disadvantage when it comes to your Medicare coverage because open enrollment ends December 7th and you've got some important decisions to make today. Medicare is confusing. Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial, though, know you've got questions and they have the answers you're looking for. So before you lock in for another year, are you sure you're getting the best coverage possible? Visit MarleyFG.com and find out for yourself. Do you hold Pat for 2019? Has your Advantage plan changed terms on you? What premiums are going up next year and by how much? Should you switch your Part D prescription plan or drop it altogether? Don't go it alone. Let Marley Financial steer you to a comprehensive solution that lets you access any hospital or doctor you want. A plan that focuses not just on cost, but on quality, with lower deductibles and co-pays little to none. So why get stuck paying thousands in out-of-pocket expenses? Visit MarleyFG.com today. That's MarleyFG.com. If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. Great experiences are meant to be shared. How about the experience of a great night's sleep? This is John Hall, and I've been sharing with you about my pillow for a long time. It's truly the most comfortable pillow I've ever owned. It's machine washable, dryable, never loses its shape, and it gives me the support I need no matter what position I'm in. And it comes with Mike Lindell's famous 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Once you experience my pillow, I'm sure that you'll love it too. And you're going to want to share that great experience with somebody else, which is great because right now you can get two my pillows for the price of one with Mike's buy one, get one free deal. Just call 1-800-961-9207. Mention the promo code word to start enjoying the best sleep of your life or type it in when you visit mypillow.com. So don't delay. That's 1-800-961-9207 or visit mypillow.com. Use the promo code word. When it comes to the idea of women serving in the church, man, do we get sensitive? Gosh. How do you mean you you get sensitive? Oh, I just mean people people have really particular ideas of what women's service in the church should look like. And I recognize that there are biblical guidelines. I'm not saying that they're not. But I'm also saying that Our interpretation of exactly what the biblical guidelines are, especially in relation to Paul's letters, is something that we should not discuss in light of what our culture has come to, but instead what the actual biblical imperatives are. I, I think that we are so convinced that our particular reading of Paul's letters is the perfect 
100% accurate version that we're not willing to hear someone else who might be reading the same letters from Paul and perhaps coming to a different conclusion. I also think that there that the less we talk about it, the less that we um, are willing to engage the actual text, I think the poorer we are because we just don't recognize the beautiful relationship that God has established for men and women, not just to be married, but to function together as teammates in the world. I feel like we're really hurting our own selves by how we just continue to fight over this. So then is there a solution to this where women get together and say, let's talk amongst ourselves and find a path forward? Well, I think there are a whole bunch of different solutions. I think the number one solution is to ask, is to beg the Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to make us people who are willing to listen and to learn. That's the first thing. The second thing, I think that women need to talk to each other, yes. And I think the third thing is men and women need to establish healthier ways of conversing and working together. Very nice. Okay, so there's a new initiative called the Pelican Project, Nourished by Christ, Serving the Church. And part of this is a small group of women, and in that small group, two of our favorite guests, Karen Swallow Pryor and Ann Kennedy are with us today to talk to us about the Pelican Project. Karen, and welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Hello. Thanks for having us. Thanks, you guys. Happy to have you here, as always. All right, so let's start with you, Karen. Um, you, You heard what I said about the difficulties and just how sensitive we are when we're talking about how women can serve together in the church. I know that you have experienced um, criticism from both sides, from the conservative side and from the progressive side. So tell me how you got to this place where you thought, okay, we need to actually delve into this more deeply, women who are theologically grounded, who are intellectual, and who are willing to talk. Well, as you said, there are, you know, different faithful ways of interpreting these scriptures, but what is not debatable is the fact that women are to serve the Church. They are to be flourishing members of the Church body who serve within the Church and who uh, then go out into the world and, and share the Gospel. And so we can certainly disagree on uh, the specific roles that women are to have in the Church, but we cannot disagree on the fact that we women need to be equipped, they need to be theologically trained, they need to be nourished and to nourish, and that's what the Pelican Project essentially is about. We want to advance that kind of mission for women in the Church. Anne, let's uh, turn to you. From your perspective, you're a writer on your own. You're also a mom of a lot of kids. Um, you're the husband of an Anglican priest. Um, I know one of your passions is seeing women who are, as Karen said, theologically well-trained. Yes, um, that's the thing that we're trying to do locally on the ground uh, day by day here. And at the same time, we're trying to combat just a sense of isolation that women feel in their own lives, and especially a a deep spiritual isolation. And that is remedied, of course, by the Internet. A lot of us turn online and find real meaningful relationships there. But we also, um, not everything there is great. And the church isn't always served by everything that you can get um, there. And a lot, I think because of the Internet, a lot of what is marketed, especially to women, has become increasingly shallow and not the deep um, feeding, nourishing that Christians need in order to 
not just survive, but go out into the world. And so we're hoping to remedy that by making resources available to women so that they can be good resources so that they can be fed and turned outward again toward the world. Yeah, and I really appreciate that. And and I like how both of you, um, Karen, I believe you're the first one that said it, and Anne, you echoed it, that regardless of, of your denominations or your personal perspective on how women should serve in the church, we all should agree the scriptures mandate that we all serve in the church, whether we're male or female. And so if women are going to serve in the church, regardless of how you see that actually working its way out, Women need to know the truth of God. They need to know what the Word of God says. They need to know how to read it. They need to know how to engage it. Um, They need to know how to ask important questions, and that questions are okay to ask. And oftentimes, in situations where women have been marginalized for... um, for, for theological reasons, particular readings of Scripture, um, it has also ended with them being completely untrained in every theological way. Karen, do you think I'm exaggerating that? Not at all. And actually, one of the one of the really encouraging things that that motivated us to form this guild of of women teachers, writers, theologians, and so forth, is because we we are actually having you know I'm speaking more from a you know conservative Southern Baptist background. Um, I'm having pastors reach out to me who are finally realizing that even though they would see certain limitations on women's service in the church, they are seeing the results of women not being trained and, and being fed too much fluff for too long. And pastors, too, are, are, are looking for theologically sound women and resources um, for training women. So um, this is encouraging, and this is part of the part of the energy that's behind the formation of the Pelican Project. Mm-hmm. We're talking to two women that, boy, we really love these guys. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Ann Kennedy, and we're talking to Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor about a new thing they're involved in called the Pelican Project, Nourished by Christ and Serving the Church. All right, Ann, so you've been blogging for every day for how many years? Probably, well, I've been blogging for longer than a decade, I've lost count, but every day for probably about three or four years now. Okay. And so you put words out on a daily basis. I'm sure you get a lot of feedback as well. Um, What are you hearing from women who are engaging with your work, and are there men engaging with your work as well? I do have a pretty good uh, male readership. I seem to really hit the mark with... Lutheran male pastors and um, Catholic women. <laughs> that means I'm right in the right place. <laughs> yeah. Those are two um, focus groups that are hard to hit at the same time, so good for you. Right. I feel that I'm in the will of the Lord. And um, I and I do hear from women um, that I have just helped along who are wanting uh, to read the Bible more deeply, more faithfully, and who feel isolated in their own churches and who, you know, click on and read me every day. Um, And I was really surprised when we launched our Facebook group the next day, a whole bunch of my friends were there, and it really, um, it was great. I was amazed. I thought, well, they're not going to, you know, they have better things to do. But I think we, our, our Facebook group just grew and overwhelmed us. The response has been really more than we could have imagined. Yeah. Um, we, we just wanted to sort of, you know, be there and encourage and support women, and we just had an onslaught of um, desire and need within the first weekend. So 
we are trying to meet that now. Right. So then as you spoke to each other before you sort of put the the bones on the Pelican Project, when you went live with the the project itself, Karen, were you surprised that you struck a nerve that there was such good response immediately? Well, you know, I mean, we really sensed that there was a need out there, um, but we weren't sure just how quickly it would take off. And, and, and the thing that's surprising is not just the numbers, but the diversity. And that is one of the things that the Pelican Project is trying to do, is we, we live in such a polarized society, even within the church. And, and there are, there, you know, let's face it, there are issues that we are divided on that we just simply, people are, we're, we're not going to agree on. But there are many other issues, many other divisions that we have that are sort of artificial, they're fake news, and so we want to bridge those unnecessary divides and come together to support the things that really do that bring us unity. And so the diversity that we have in this in, in the Facebook group and in our advisory board as well as our, our guild membership, that's that's one of the the strengths and and, uh, the visions of the Pelican Project. And so it was exciting to see um, that actually happen in the people who've come out to support us and join us. We're talking to Ann Kennedy and Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor about a brand new project for women and about women called the Pelican Project, Nourished by Christ, Serving the Church. Okay, talk practically. Women who are listening to this, you guys. um, Ann, why don't you answer this? What, What can the Pelican Project provide for women? Well, the first thing you can do is, if you're if you're feeling really isolated in your local church context, is to, to get on and join us on Facebook. We have a conversation going on. Um, but secondarily, if you're not on Facebook, that's fine. You can still contact us through our website. You can send us questions. We can send you resources. If you're a pastor, we uh, would love to help you sort through how your ministry, your women's ministries are going, and if they need resources and how you're um, training your women in your church. Are they being trained? We um, are willing, we'd love to um, consult with you about that and um, just be a help. And um, ultimately, we are going to hopefully have initiatives that go forward um, that help people connect to each other. Um, in the meantime, like in the short term, the best way to get hold of us is on the, to join a conversation on Facebook. But we're working on making it so that people who don't do Facebook can still participate. That's in the works. That's so that's so egalitarian of you, Anne. It is. We, <laughs> and we are not and our, against our, people who aren't on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> we also we're, we're putting updates on our website at least weekly with. Um, great links that were articles we're reading um, books that we consider to be reliable trustworthy resources Um, and so there are lots of resources just that you can find on our website all right Lutheran pastors and catholic men (laughs) or vice versa rejoice (laughs) (laughs) all right i i just looked up the pelican project on facebook i am liking you right now ladies very nice awesome very good 50,000 watts of light it does All right, fantastic. That's Ann Carlson Kennedy, and it's Karen Swallow Pryor, two women who are involved in something called the Pelican Project, nourished by Christ serving the church, a project for women. Find them on Facebook, the Pelican Project. Thanks, ladies. Hi, this is Tunch Ilkin on behalf of Light of Life Rescue Mission. Thanksgiving has great meeting for the entire team at the mission. 
and it reaches far beyond a few football games and eating too much turkey. We're thankful for you, the caring Pittsburgh community, and the generous ways you continue to reach out and help us touch the lives of those in need. Today, I'm asking you to join our team to help us share the priceless gift of hope by visiting lightoflife.org and donating generously today. Change furnace filters. Check. Change smoke detector batteries. Check. Install CO2 detector. Check. Make sure the furnace is ready in good working condition. When you have Pellis Heating and Cooling Service your system, check. You're ready for anything. And be confident knowing a Pellis Tech is available 24 hours a day in case of emergencies. With after-hour calls, return within 30 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S, at PellisHVAC.com. It's me, the kid who sang, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Yeah, I grew up, got my teeth. Turns out, not super impressive. What I really should have sang was, all I want for Christmas is to go to Fun for All Family Fun Park's Holiday Lights Mini Golf. They turn 36 holes of award-winning miniature golf into a Holiday Lights extravaganza like no other. From 5 to 10 p.m. November 16th through January 2nd, it's the most fantastic way to have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Still got it. Learn more at funforall.com backslash holiday lights. So uh, Thanksgiving, of course, this Thursday. Then that's followed by that uh, that crushing sort of what people going insane. People's like sleeping out at Walmart or fighting in the aisles for a flat screen TV at, uh, wherever. Now, why right? would you want to do that? I don't know. Listen, people do that. Wouldn't you rather go to like a family if you're going to go shopping the day after Thanksgiving? On Black you, Friday, yeah. Wouldn't you want to go to a place that's you know family owned? It's small. Uh, I don't mean it's like a closet. I just mean it's intimate. It's a yes. place where you can go and be creative and talk to a person. And, and you're surrounded by beauty. Yeah, and you get to l- make something that you're excited about, mm-hmm. something that you can really look forward to giving. Such is the case with Trinity Jewelers. Here to talk to us about Trinity Jewelers' Black Friday sale is Mark Helgerman. Hey, Mark, welcome back. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. Are you, you guys ready for Thanksgiving? Oh, yes. We are ready for Thanksgiving. Are you ready for Black <laughs> Friday? That's the question. You know, we are, because actually we look at Trinity as being a place of solitude on Black Friday. So what we're doing, we're not opening up early. We're opening up at normal time at 10 o'clock, and we're going to be the place. We're going to have hot coffee and bagels and treats there that once you've fought that mall crowd, come by, get refreshed, come see us. And, you know, right now we have the largest inventory for the holiday season we've been working for months downstairs making beautiful pieces of jewelry so you can get the best selection right now nice there's a lot to be said for that right mark I mean, you know people i appreciate people are waiting for the 11th hour to shop but you know you love your love so you want to get her something that's really unique get in and see all the things that are ready to go i mean i love that the fact that you've been working on this for months and months so black friday you're going to unveil things Absolutely. Beautiful individual pieces that were handcrafted and, you know, very special, just like the loved ones in their lives. Very nice. I'm telling you, if you are looking for a place where you can help to create a gift that is really special, a gift that is really different, something that's going to be unique for someone you love, there is no better place than Trinity Jewelers. That's right. Trinity Jewelers, the Black Friday sale, as Mark Helgerman says, starts this Friday at 10 a.m. 
Please Over two-thirds of Christian young people will step away from their faith while attending a non-Christian college or university. But Word FM and Salem Media Pittsburgh have a solution. Salem Media Pittsburgh has partnered with Judson University, a private Christian college, in offering a limited number of special grants designed to decrease the cost of tuition by over half. These tuition grants are available now. Call our tuition solution specialist at 412-503-4769 to reserve yours. Turning out partly cloudy tonight, the low 27, mainly cloudy and blustery tomorrow, a few flurries in the afternoon, high 36. Mainly cloudy, brisk and colder tomorrow night, a few flurries, low 19. For Thanksgiving Day, very cold with sunshine and some clouds, high temperature up to 28. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Johnny Summers on 101.5 Word FM. Last week, the general manager for the Cleveland Browns said that he'd be willing to interview and hire a woman as the Cleveland Browns' next head coach. John Dorsey. Well, well I mean, that's sorry, that's like joke overload. Well, yeah. They should be willing there. to hire anyone for their next Someone who could win a game or two, right. perhaps. John Dorsey says he was interested in one candidate, according to ESPN. That candidate is none other than Condoleezza Rice, the nice. former Secretary of State. Now, if the interview were to actually happen, Condoleezza Rice would become the first woman to be interviewed for a head coaching position in the NFL ever. Now, word got around the doors he was considering Rice. He was quick to throw water on the flame. He released a statement that said, quote, I have the utmost respect and admiration for all that she's accomplished and was honored to meet her for the first time earlier this season. Our coaching search will be thorough and deliberate, but we are still in the process of comprising the list of candidates, and Secretary Rice has not been discussed. Condoleezza Rice mm-hmm. previously serves as one of the original members of the College Football Playoff Selection Committee from 2013 to 2016. She's a lifelong fan of the Browns and, according That's to so Dorsey's sad. statement, a great leader possessing the highest possible character. Also a person who has expressed more than once her interest in being the commissioner of the National Football League. Yes. I don't know. Think she knows football? Yeah, believe me, the woman knows football. Yeah. Okay. Well, wouldn't that be wild? I think that'd be weird to have a non-player as a coach. I know that. I, what do you I mean know a non-player? That, well, because every coach. I mean, Condoleezza Rice never played football. Yeah. I mean, she may have played touch football or flag football or whatever. But, and I know that most coaches were not good players. I understand that. Yeah. But they played. And I just think it'd be weird to coach if you never played. Now, maybe looking back, like I don't know if I'm thinking about Tom Landry. I don't know if Tom Landry ever played We're Chuck Knoll. Hat. I actually don't know if Chuck Knoll ever played football. So yeah. maybe I'm John talking, Harbaugh. John, <laughs> are you? Do you want me to say out loud that I don't think John Harbaugh is a great football coach? No, no, it's okay. No. He was no. never a football player. So I mean, does he that never matter? Played? No, is that never. right? He never. What played. about his brother? Does Jim ever play? I don't know. Okay. Does that matter? I mean, you know, natural on the field, face to face, lining up across that line. I don't know. I don't know either. Would you want to coach? No. Come on, Kat. Come on. I see you out there. Are you kidding me? You'd be like wearing like your little outfit, all happy. I'd like a you nice outfit. Be, you would. Be, you would. <laughs> you'd have your little. I'd outfit get a on. nice pair of boots. You would. You'd be walking I'll tell around, you that. and I'd be wearing a turtleneck, and I don't care what new Mike says. You might have like jod spurs on. I might. Know? Like a little sort of riding yeah. crop. Let's go, men. Come on, gentlemen. Line up. Listen to Kathy. Let's you know, go. You know who my favorite football coach of all time is? Hmm. Mike Tomlin. All time. I am a gigantic 
Tomlin fan. How about him on the field at the end of the game? I he okay. was so psyched up. <laughs> he was jumping. I around. loved. It. Listen, whatever it was like he was Christmas doing on morning. the field, I was doing in front of the television. <laughs> he was jumping he around. He is the greatest. That's funny. Oh my gosh, I'm a huge fan. He looks great on the field, doesn't he? Gosh, he looks How about great a, everywhere. He's wearing those aviators, just, you know, that green shirt. He's just, the fabulous. way he looks, the way he speaks. His press conferences just, are like, I just, I listened to week. his press conference today and I thought, see, there's no greater entertainment than this. Yeah, there really isn't, no. Hey, we'll take a quick break, uh, come back. Listen, uh, I think like a lot of uh, us, you yourself have been following along the devastating wildfires in Paradise, California. In just a few minutes, we're going to speak uh, to one of the pastors in Paradise. Josh Gallagher is with us. Josh lost his house along with 18 of 21 families on the church's staff. Stick around for that, please, won't you? It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy to Paradise, California in just a few minutes. WORD. Pornography has reached epidemic proportions. And Roger Fankhauser says one reason why is because we've let our standards of decency slip. We tolerate a lot. And we need to stop doing that. And, and thinking about what am I taking in and realizing that it might just be a brief nude scene on a movie, but it's fueling the fires. Helping men do battle for moral purity. Next time on Family Life Today. Tomorrow morning at 9 on 101.5 Word FM WORD. You're a good mom. You've tried every parenting tip in the book, but nothing seems to stick. Your child is smart, but just can't sit still and focus. Or maybe you know that something is just off. If your child just can't do things you think he should be able to, there is a reason. Brain Balance can help. For over 10 years, the Brain Balance program has helped kids just like yours. This customized program doesn't just mask your child's issues, but gets to the root of the problem. If your child is not making friends, is disruptive in school, or life just seems a lot harder than it needs to be, it's not that he's not trying. He just can't change what he can't control. The Brain Balance Program can help. If you feel your child falling further and further behind in school, don't wait. Call your local center today and find out how Brain Balance can build the strong foundation your child needs for a brighter future. Visit BrainBalance.com for the center nearest you. At Accurate Solutions Group, we're known to consort with pirates, penguins, and even panthers, and of course the Steelers. Maybe fans of Pittsburgh's most beloved sports teams turn to us because they know we're Yinzers too. So whether you're a pirate fan, penguin, panther, or Steelers, or all of the above, give us a call. I'm Kurt Kenotic. Ethan and I will help you get to where you need to be. Retirement is what we do, independent is what we are, and fiduciary is how we practice. Retire with confidence, clarity, and independence. A retirement blueprint from Accurate Solutions Group. It's customized and personalized to your unique situation. Call 412-515-3555. It's never too late and it's never too early. 412-515-3555. Or visit ASGRetire.com. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. Did you know that when you buy a mattress from a retail store, that mattress is being sold for the second time? What do I mean? Well, the manufacturer sells the mattress to the retailer, who in turn sells it to you with costs and markups for both parties. At the Original Mattress Factory, we have our own factory right here at our store. 
So the mattress you buy is being sold for the first and only time. That's why our prices are hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Stop by one of our factory locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see for yourself. It's been a full day. The to-do list is done. The kids are in bed. The dishes can wait. Right now, this moment is just for you. It's your chance to unwind. It's your end of day. Ah. At the Original Mattress Factory, we're proud supporters of the end of day. Ah. And we want to see how you relax at the end of your busiest days. Share your posts on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the hashtag end of day. Ah. For the chance to win a thousand dollar Original Mattress Factory gift certificate. Relax. You've earned it. Veterans face treacherous situations filled with peril while serving our country. Many veterans come home physically injured, suffering with PTSD, have traumatic brain injuries or other ailments. Treatment is available, but we need your help. Help Heal Veterans with the support of generous citizens like you improves veterans' lives on a daily basis across the United States. For over 45 years, Help Heal Veterans has provided over 30 million therapeutic art kits and craft projects to these critically injured veterans at no charge to them. Doctors, therapists, and brain injury experts recommend this type of therapy. Since the beginning of World War I over 100 years ago, art and craft therapy has proven to improve gross motor skills, improve memory, and lessen anger issues in healing veterans. To volunteer or learn more, visit HealVets.org. Help a veteran. Visit HealVets.org. The California wildfires that are still going on have displaced thousands and thousands. Of course, thousands of acres of land are burnt. Hundreds and hundreds of people are missing. Officially, more than 70 people are confirmed dead. Many families devastated beyond reason and perhaps... Uh, disrupted forever. Uh, here to talk to us about that is a pastor from Paradise, California. Um, we've been following this story along very closely. Josh Gallagher is with us. Josh is the pastor of Paradise Alliance Church. He uh, lost his church, or he lost his church and his family's home, and 18 of the 21 of the staff members at Paradise Alliance Church have also had their houses burnt down to the ground as well. And Josh, thanks for being with us. Uh, believe me, our sympathies here mm-hmm. to us, to you and your family and uh, all your church community at an incredible loss. Well, thank you. That really means a lot. So, Josh, talk about how you can grieve on your own for the loss of home and church and community, while also I assume that you're the person who has to lead all the members of your congregation through a similar process. Yeah. Uh, I've been having to grieve with a lot of different hats personally, and then with my family, then the congregation, but then also the community, because our church was very influential in the community. So it has been literally a moment at a time, (laughs) knowing how to grieve well in the different scenarios and situations that I've had to face over the last couple weeks. Yes. So Josh, what does that even look like, just the mechanics of staying in touch with, with the church community? How does that even work? Yeah, we have been using a lot of our social media outlets. Before all of this happened, we were consistently using text messages, phone trees to basically keep our people engaged in their relationship with God and what was going on through the church. So it was an avenue that our congregation was used to using. Well, since this has happened, 
our church family has been spread literally across the country. Mm. I even heard some our people are in Florida, <laughs> literally on the other side of the country. Wow. And through social media and regular emails, keeping them engaged in their relationship with God, especially during this time, a lot of people are struggling to even think about God, pray, oh, sure. talk to Him, open their Bibles, and that's the one thing that we have to turn to during these times more than anything. No doubt. So talk to us then. Tell us your own personal story, because I'm sure from California, the idea of wildfires, this is not something that is a novelty. This is something you've thought about, and I'm sure you and your family have talked about as well. What was it like for you whenever, you know, the, the specter of the fires affecting not only your family, but also your church? What was the reality of that as you saw these fires coming closer? Yeah, uh, the crazy thing was we only moved into the area three and a half months before this occurred. Oh, my gosh. And right before we arrived, my wife said that if there's ever a fire here, this is not going to be good. And she was worried about that. Did she say that? She did say that. Wow. Right when we moved there. Wow. Even when we moved there, people in the community, it, it was a little bit of a common common talk with people that were new to the area like if a fire would ever hit paradise it would be really bad mm-hmm. like everyone knew it because the area around it was so thick with brush and thick trees but this was the one that everyone said this was the one that we were dreading and it happened wow. so it was about six forty-five, seven o'clock in the morning and my daughter was sitting at the breakfast counter she saw a plume of smoke rising in the east and she said daddy that looks like smoke and sure enough i looked out and it was just, it was small. My wife checked her phone. They just had registered it. It was probably about, at that time, she said like 30 miles from Paradise. We didn't think much of it. Like, okay, they'll get it contained. Not a big deal. I took our two oldest girls to school, dropped them off at school. Then I went went into the church. By the time I got to my office, I knew the situation was getting worse. It It was 730 7.45 in the morning, and it felt like 8 o'clock at night. It just kept getting darker and darker with all the smoke. Wow. Talked to my wife. We decided to go pull the kids out of school just in case we had to evacuate. Uh, when I finally arrived at the school, there was ash that was starting to fall all around me. One of the hardest things was going in and picking up my daughters from the classroom. Classes were full of kids because everyone had dropped their kids off for the day. And so we grabbed our kids went back. We still weren't sure if we were going to be evacuating or not because they weren't doing mandatory evacuations. Everyone was just under warnings. Then I was getting actually some suitcases, and at this point, I wasn't sure if we were going to go or not. But I just, I I can't say it any other way than I literally felt like God said, it's time to go. Mm -hmm. And I went from, okay, are we going to go to, we are leaving now. We got everything that we could, loaded it up, in our minivan, and then we started to make our way down the hill. We checked on our neighbors. Everyone was leaving at that time because they started evacuating the east side of Paradise. We lived on the west side, and then they started evacuating the northern part of the city, and we just decided, okay, it's time for us to go. Because the dynamic of Paradise is there's three ways in and three ways out. And when you're trying to evacuate that many people, you're going to hit a lot of gridlock, which was the main problem. The fire came so fast, and there's not a lot of ways out. So we hit hit gridlock, um, trying to get out of paradise. And when we were sitting there trying to get down, we saw a spot fire flare up right next to our house. 
Oh, my goodness. And it was in that moment my wife and I both saw it, just kind of tried to keep the kids distracted, but we knew that our house probably wasn't going to survive. Then as we slowly kept making our way down the hill, because Paradise sits up uh, a little bit on a hill, and then Chico was down below, and so as we made our way down towards Chico, we saw uh, flames heading up the canyon that we lived on, and during that time, we knew that it was bad, because at that point, the fire was pretty much all around us. It was on the east, on the west, and on the north side, and we were heading south. Um, saying a lot of prayers, silently trying to stay as calm as we could with our kids, but realizing it was bad. It was, my wife says, it was apocalyptic, mm-hmm. and I thought that was a great way to describe it. Once we finally made it down the hill, my wife took the kids to Sacramento. We had some family there. I stayed there and worked at a evacuation center. We were evacuating a lot of the elderly because it was there was a pretty decent size elderly population in Paradise, and they were being evacuated to that facility where the Red Cross was at. It was heartbreaking because there were a lot of these people that had complete shock. Some of them had some dementia, had no idea what was going on. Then they were looking for kids because they had to bust the kids out of school because parents couldn't get back to get them, parents looking for their kids. Then at about 11 o'clock at night, there was about 30 police officers that showed up at our evacuation center with two really big buses. At the time, they said, hey, well, we're just here to help out if anything needs to be, if you need anything done. But we found out shortly after that that they were actually there because the fire had was coming close to the evacuation center, and they were worried about evacuating 300 people. Again. So we, again, yeah. Then after, then after at about 1230 at night, they gave us the all clear that the fire had actually gone around us, but it came within about, probably about a half mile of where we were at. Wow. So Josh, then what was that like to receive confirmation that indeed your house was burned to the ground and then you and your wife absorbing that and then at some point having to communicate that to your kids? It's one of those moments where it's like, this isn't really happening. This is a dream. Yeah. It's not real. But the more that the reality set in, it, it was. It was frustration. It was tears. Yeah. There was some anger. And then having to share that to our kids since we had just just moved, just took them from what they knew and then brought them to a new place, kind of establishing roots. It was extremely hard for them, and our kids are nine, six, and three. So they're kind of in the age that they definitely know what's going on, but they're having a little bit of a hard time processing it, at the same time having the right words to what to say. There's been a lot of hard conversations and a lot of tears in our family, but it's it's been healthy, because that's all part of Mm -hmm. grieving. Yeah. What about the loss of the church, Josh? Um, how are you all dealing with that? I mean, with so many of your church staff who've also lost homes, can you even think about the church? Yeah, well, that's, there's some good news that I do have. The good news is the building is actually still standing. We had early reports that it did go up. We had a big tree right in front of the building that did catch on fire, but it didn't catch the building on mm-hmm. fire. And Many people thought that it did, but we did get visual confirmation 
that the church is still standing. It's the tallest and one of the largest structures still standing in the community. The only other one is the high school. So we're praying, okay, God, obviously you're doing something, and we want to use it as a rallying point for the community as we start this long marathon of rebuilding and seeing how God wants to bring revival. Yeah, and so, Josh, how do you do that? I mean, how do you pray in the midst of your lament and anger and fear and frustration as a husband and as a dad and as a leader of the church and still keep your cool about all this? (laughs) Yeah, I laugh because you just pretty much summed up my life (laughs) in that right there. The Sunday after this happened, we partnered with a uh, sister church down in Chico to have our services. I had no intentions of teaching that week, but Friday night I felt like the Lord impressed upon me that I needed to. So that week, that Sunday after, I was able to address our congregation, the congregation that we were partnering with, and many people from the community. And it was it was the hardest message that I've ever had to prepare for and deliver. And we just looked at how we serve a God who understands the and that we can have faith in him and question him at the same time. We can have doubts, but also still trust him. We can be mad at him and still love him. Mm-hmm. And he's big enough to understand that. Yeah. We actually looked at Psalm 88 where the psalmist was very honest of, Hey, yep, you're the God who can save me, but everything that follows is pure emotion questions. At some point he blames God for everything that's going on in his life. And we just looked at that and Psalms 23 is saying, God is big enough. He understands the and. And that was something I know I needed to hear for myself in my grieving process, because there's times that I still question God, what are you doing? But do I still have faith in him? Absolutely. Josh, we can't tell you how sorry we am. We really we, are. We are for what you've suffered so and how we'll, we commit ourselves to pray for you and for your family and your, your church family, for everyone in paradise. Um, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us your perspective on all this. Thank you for having me on. Our pleasure. That's Josh, Josh Gallagher. Gallagher. He's the pastor of Paradise Alliance Church. He left Paradise last Thursday, later learned that his family had lost their home along with 18 of 21 families on their church's staff. Pray for Paradise. We know the pain here in Pittsburgh. Pass those prayers of peace along to encourage and equip those people. Hi, this is Tunch Ilkin on behalf of Light of Life Rescue Mission. Thanksgiving has great meeting for the entire team at the mission. And it reaches far beyond a few football games and eating too much turkey. We're thankful for you, the caring Pittsburgh community, and the generous ways you continue to reach out and help us touch the lives of those in need. Today I'm asking you to join our team to help us share the priceless gift of hope by visiting lightoflife.org and donating generously today. The day after Thanksgiving, feed your soul. Join Amen to Action as we come together to sing, pray, celebrate, and pack one million meals of hope for the hungry. It's Friday, November 23rd at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Doors open at 8 a.m. and all faiths and ages are welcome. Come fill your heart with joy and one million plates of food right here in Pittsburgh. To register, go to amentoaction.org. cold it is cold and apparently uh we are going to set some records here are we you and i no uh, uh, <laughs> the weatherman 
You uh, and me. I should say you and I is not appropriate. This could be the coldest Thanksgiving in Pittsburgh history. No way. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're saying, this is from the Trib today, they're saying if you're planning to play the uh, family turkey bowl in the front yard, you might want to bundle up. Uh, Thanksgiving 2018 is shaping up to be the coldest in Pittsburgh since at least 1950. What? According to forecasting records, the high that's forecast, 27 degrees, will make it the coldest Thanksgiving. Uh, let me see, 1950, it was 20, 28 degrees. So we could be the coldest ever. Burr, it's just cold. You know, I think you should do is just wear a turtleneck, Mike. Oh, yeah. That's my recommendation to you. Uh, Pro turtleneck Never. all the time. Listen, I'm the only one wearing a turtleneck you today, are. John. What's your problem? You're not uh, holding up your end of the bargain. I, maybe I just, I don't know what's going on. Uh, well, what's going on? You weren't thinking because it's freezing cold. <laughs> hey, uh, we're podcasting. Maybe an hour or so after we leave. Check out wordfm.com. You'll find the whole show as it is. Thanks for being with us. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications.